This is Global Tennessee, news analysis and commentary from the Tennessee World Affairs Council in Nashville. Global Tennessee is produced in association with the Center for International Business at Belmont University and the International Business Council of the Nashville Area Chamber of Commerce. The World Affairs Council is a nonpartisan, nonprofit educational association, and the views expressed on Global Tennessee are those of the participants. It's 3 a.m. in Beijing, and here in Nashville, Tennessee, it's uh, 2 p.m. on a Tuesday afternoon. Welcome to Global Engagement, our news review from the Tennessee World Affairs Council. I'm Pat Ryan, uh, president of the Tennessee World Affairs Council, and we uh, welcome you to our, uh, our broadcast today. Uh, we're bringing you uh, these uh, webinars as a result of the uh, stay at home and uh, safe, safe distancing, uh, so we can continue to bring our programs uh, to you on world affairs and important information that uh, you should uh, stay up with. Uh, each week, uh, this program, Global Engagement, will bring you uh, five topics in the news, and Ambassador Dick Bowers and I uh, will walk through each of those items, providing uh, some commentary and assessment. We'll bring these to you every Tuesday at uh, 2 p.m., uh, but you should check our um, uh, Tennessee World Affairs Council website at tnwac.org uh, for other uh, shows in the, uh, the webinar series. And make sure that you're on our uh, email uh, newsletter list so that you're kept up to date on uh, all the program that we, uh, the offer, that we offer. Uh, so let me uh, introduce my uh, co-host for Global Engagement, Ambassador Dick Bowers. Uh, he's a retired uh, distinguished career member of the U.S. Foreign Service. Uh, he served uh, around the world in uh, numerous postings, uh, including as United States Ambassador to Bolivia. Ambassador Bowers is a member of the World Affairs Council Board of Directors. So let's get started. Dick? Well, Pat, I'd like to add my welcome to this new program. And uh, let me mention that tonight at 7 o'clock, Pat Ryan, you will be interviewing Professor David DeRoche as part of the World Affairs Council's Global Dialogue Speaker Program. Professor DeRoche is a retired U.S. Army Colonel and is one of the most knowledgeable specialists on Middle East affairs. And while we've all been focused on COVID-19, American interest in that tumultuous part of the world continue to be challenged. So register for this evening's webinar on the Middle East 2020 with Pat Ryan and Professor David DeRoche, TN wac.org is the place to get on. And let me also mention that next week, in addition to Pat and me being here at two o'clock, the Tuesday 7 p.m. slot is set for Global Nashville with Carl Dean and the former Nashville Mayor uh, Carl will be talking with Sean Henry, President and CEO of the Nashville Predators and a community business leader who has his finger on the pulse of the city. And so that with all the stuff that's going on in the world and in Nashville, that should be an interesting program. So how about on to the news, Pat? What are our topics today? Okay, Dick, thank you. Uh, today we'll be uh, drilling down into uh, on these five topic areas. Uh, number one, we'll do a uh, review of uh, the COVID news uh, as we've uh, been doing for the past couple of weeks. It's uh, dominated uh, the news uh, around the world. Uh, we'll also take a look at uh, Earth Day. Uh, we're, we're in the week of Earth Day, and one of the things that we'll talk about is the uh, climate crisis, another looming existential threat that has been largely off the radar uh, since uh, the pandemic. Uh, also in the news last night, uh, intelligence reports uh, uh, have suggested that the uh, leader in North Korea might be uh, in ill health, so we'll, uh, we'll talk about some of the, uh, the ramifications of that story. 
Uh, also, uh, last night it was announced uh, by President Trump that he's uh, planning on uh, signing an executive order uh, for an immigration ban, and we'll drill down that uh, into a, a, some detail. Uh, lastly, uh, we're uh, about to enter the Ramadan month, the holy month in the Islamic faith, and we'll talk about uh, Ramadan and what it means and uh, implications to the observance of Ramadan uh, because of the, uh, uh, the COVID-19 uh, uh, virus. So uh, let's, uh, let's start off with uh, our review of uh, COVID uh, news. Um, uh, and we're going to uh, jump back in our slides here and take a look at what the uh, global uh, implications are uh, from the, uh, the, COVID, uh, the COVID virus. And uh, you can see from, uh, from the, uh, the charts there that uh, uh, the numbers for uh, COVID uh, cases in the world are over two and a half million uh, deaths, 174,000. And if you look at the, uh, uh, the scale of the rise from March 10th to uh, April 11th, uh, precipitous climb in total cases and uh, total deaths. So it's uh, really uh, a, a situation that's uh, gripping um, the, the world community and not just the United States, although that's where most of our reporting uh, is focused on. Uh, here's the numbers of the top 10 cases. The United States has exceeded uh, all the other uh, countries in the world. In total cases, 803,000 uh, new cases um, in the, the uh, previous 24 hours, uh, 10,000, and total deaths in the United States uh, as of uh, this morning uh, was uh, 43,663. Uh, really a uh, can, can I just jump in with one one sort of thought that comes to my mind, Pat? If can yes, sir. The, if I jump in, the yep slide goes away. Well, sorry. Oh, you you want that back? I'll... Yeah. Okay. Here, here we go. Just uh... so the, there's just the the point I get I I got is if you look at all those countries, right? Uh, they're all either developed countries or almost developed countries, like probably the poorest country on there is uh, Iran. But that, that slide does not reflect what's gonna happen, I think, and the head of the WHO said, the worst is yet to come as this virus sort of goes in areas like Africa where the health systems are woefully inadequate. So All right. it's gonna get worse before it gets better, I fear. Yeah, I, I think uh, people who are really interested in what's going on uh, around the world beyond these top 10 uh, can go to the website worldometer, that's W-O-R-L-D-O-M-E-T-E-R, worldometer.info, and they have charts for uh, individual countries as well as the, uh, the global picture. Hmm. All right, uh, Dick, you want to lead us off with uh, the, the China report on uh, COVID? There's a lot of news there. Well, it depends on uh, what day you're talking about, because the, the, the news kind of changes from time to time. But basically, Trump, uh, President Trump has talked about the U.S. relationship with China and Beijing's response to it. Uh, and he is quoted as saying by uh, Reuters that Trump said if it was a mistake, well, a mistake is a mistake. And the president also has said that China should have jumped on this much earlier and probably could have stopped it. And the pandemic could have been stopped and it wasn't as a quote. And there will be consequences if China was knowingly responsible for the pandemic. So a lot of people are pointing fingers back and forth. Uh, 
they are pointing fingers at us and say that we started it and it was a secret U.S. military virus that we've introduced. Uh, we have said, no, it started over there in the wet market. Other people have said, no, it is actually a China uh, secret virus research facility that the thing got out of hand. So there'll be a lot of discussion about this in the future. And in particular, uh, people, politicians will be making hay and they're trying to uh, do what they can to up their ante with the, with the public out, out at large. Yeah, the, there was a uh, there was a story yesterday. Um, the Senator Marsha Blackburn and uh, Martha McSally of Arizona, our mm -hmm. Senator Marsha Blackburn here from Tennessee, uh, introduced legislation in the Senate, a, a law uh, proposed uh, with the clever acronym, uh, the Stop China Originated Viral Infectious Diseases or COVID Act. <laughs> um, they're they're pretty clever up there on Capitol Hill. There you go. So the uh, the COVID Act uh, in in this press release uh, said, uh, "quote uh, It was designed to ensure the Chinese Communist Party faces consequences for its role in spreading the coronavirus, and empowers Americans to sue China in U.S. courts and seek compensation for the devastating harm the deadly virus has caused to the uh, economy." Uh, and human life. And, and basically, uh, the legislation builds on previous uh, legislation, the Foreign Services, Foreign Sovereign Immunities Act, uh, eliminates sovereign immunity for states that spread biological weapons or agents, uh, excuse me, not weapons, agents. But Dick, the Foreign Sovereign Immunities Act, in, in your diplomatic career, have you uh, come across that in any of your uh, study? Well, basically, it, it, it says if you're a sovereign foreign country, you are immune from being sued in U.S. courts. And I uh, think that this particular legislation, if it were to become law, uh, would probably enable a lot of lawyers to make money collecting fees. But yeah. I don't think there's a snowball's chance, and you know where, of uh, this actually getting any money from China. Well, in, uh, in another report, this is from the... Uh, uh, Australian ABC News that there are thousands of uh, Americans who have signed up already for a, a class action suit against China for the uh, coronavirus. And uh, apparently this is in uh, Florida, uh, a Miami-based law firm, speaking of lawyers looking for uh, fees, uh, seeks, uh, quote, billions of dollars in compensatory damages for those who have suffered personal injuries, wrongful deaths, property damage, and other damages due to China's failure to contain the COVID-19 virus, despite their ability to have stopped the spread of the virus. So as, as you said, there's a lot of finger pointing going on, and I think we're going to see more of that as, as this pandemic uh, situation uh, unfolds. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I mean, other people are out there. Vietnam, for example, is demanding that China reverse a decision that Beijing met, made to establish administrative units on an island in South China Sea. Uh, China has accelerated its campaign to claim sovereignty during this period, including militarization of some islands. And this is a longer term problem that COVID or not COVID, we're going to have to deal with what China's doing in the South China Sea. Yeah, so China's in the news as far as relationships um, with the United States, but what uh, what else do we have going on in the, the COVID uh, topic one uh, portfolio, Dick? Well, uh, the G G20 uh, took some action, so this is probably the most uh, capable body of 20 countries 
all very rich economies. And the ministers of health from the G20 uh, met Sunday to forge a common response to the pandemic at the urgent COVID-19 task force meeting. So this group rose to prominence during the 2008-09 economic crisis, and it has called itself the premier body for dealing with economic cooperation. So I think that most of the level-headed folks out there realize this is not a go-it-alone thing. Right. If you're going to do something about and solve this problem, you have to work with your allies and friends out there. And this is a step in that direction, and I applaud it. Yeah. Also in uh, the world of commerce and, and COVID, uh, but closer to home, uh, to Tennessee, uh, the international auto manufacturing uh, is, has always been an important part of Tennessee's economy, as, as you know. Um, and uh, there has been some uh, effect on, uh, on that commercial relationship from the pandemic. Uh, last week, uh, Nissan uh, announced, uh, and they have a major footprint here in Tennessee, as, as you know, Dick, uh, they announced they'll extend its U.S. plant shutdown until mid-May. It had previously announced a temporary layoff of 10,000 hourly workers in the U.S. So that's uh, important to closer to home here in, in Tennessee. Yeah. Um, in other uh, COVID news, we'll, we'll run through the, the topic here and, and then move on, but there's still some important stories around the world. Uh, for example, the United Nations has warned that the economic downturn uh, could kill hundreds of thousands of children in uh, the year 2020. Uh, in addition to uh, the increase in poverty, nearly 369 million children across 143 countries who normally rely on school meals for their daily nutrition have now been forced to uh, look elsewhere. And that's um, from a Reuters report. You know, the, the, the nimbleness by which local school districts have, have pulled up and figured out how to get the food to the kids is incredible. Well, I that's mean, here in the U.S. Yeah, here in the U.S., exactly. Uh, but I'm really uh, amazed that the feeding goes on. It goes on with buses running the regular route with sack lunches, and the kids can come to the bus stop and get their food. I'm amazed. So it's good, good down at the bottom of the pile, local people doing what it needs to, to, do, to do to have things done. Yeah, hopefully that's more than just anecdotal and that uh, there's there's a lot of meals getting out to kids that uh, normally would rely on schools. Yeah. Another uh, piece in uh, the COVID news, the business confidence around the world has uh, plunged to its lowest level on record. We, we all knew that uh, we were, had some economic uh, troubles, uh, but uh, this is even worse than the 2008 global financial crisis and the early 1990s uh, recession. Uh, as uh, according to the Australian Financial Review, cash draft firms braced for an economic downturn of, quote, unprecedented speed and magnitude. So mm. uh, look for that story to continue, and we're all going to have to uh, keep an eye on what the economic impact is from the, uh, the pandemic. And a big, big economic uh, story that came out yesterday is that the price of oil is now turned negative, which means if you're an oil producer, you are paying people to take your oil so you can get it out of your tanks and do what you need to do. And I think it's the first time in history that's ever happened. Well, yeah, it's uh, it's incredible what the uh, the pandemic has done to the uh, the energy market. There was already a glut of oil in the market and yeah, the pan and pandemic has uh, accelerated that. I haven't bought gas in a month. Well, and you know, there's there's trickle down consequences. For example, in Saudi Arabia, they try to uh, sell all of their crude oil uh, for national income, and they use the associated natural gas from the 
oil that they pump to power their uh, electric power plants and desalinization plants and so forth. But since they're having to slow down pumping of oil, they're not getting uh, as gas. much gas. So, um, you know, it's, it's the devil, you, you know, or the devil you don't. Well, another thing, so you're seeing this social breakdown that's taking place in some places in, in the world, and, and people here in the United States, for example, have been protesting, you know, liberate Michigan, liberate Virginia, uh, here in Tennessee. In some cases, well armed. Yeah, demonstrators were out uh, in force. And in Paris, uh, Police and youths clashed for the second night in a low-income Paris suburb on Sunday as the lockdown rules to curb the spread of the coronavirus threatened a fragile social peace in deprived areas. And in the United States, you'll see the caravans of cars lining up to get food. So this is having a major impact on our social fabric. Well, you know, in, in another uh, part of the world where we've seen the social conflict. Uh, Ireland, uh, the coronavirus checkpoints have aided Irish police to seize drug and weapons. Uh, due to the, the strict stay-at-home measures, and this is a Reuters report, uh, Irish police have made one of their largest drug seizures of the year when a car tried to evade one of the checkpoints. So there's, you know, consequences on, uh, on all sides in this thing. But on the bright side, I think uh, some countries are doing a lot better than others. And for example, South Korea voted in the middle of this pandemic. And 66% uh, of eligible voters turned out for parliamentary elections and a successful example of how you might actually pull off elections during the pandemic. The incumbent party and leadership basically was all returned to office. They've been doing a wonderful job in trying to corral the virus. Yeah. Uh, let's, let's just touch on a little bit of uh, related medical news. The World Health Organization uh, was about to declare an end to the deadly Ebola pandemic uh, when it, there was a uh, flare-up of cases in the Democratic uh, Republic of Congo. So uh, Ebola is, uh, is a persistent uh, threat in that part of the world. And we had a, an Ebola crisis uh, not too long ago. Uh, so the last thing we wanna see is, is that breakout from, from that part of the world. And what we wanna see is the, the suppression eradication of uh, Ebola in Africa. Uh, Dick, why don't you take the, uh, the last uh, bit of uh, somewhat humorous news there in, in Italy. <laughs> Well, in Italy, the police cracked down on a woman who took her pet turtle for a walk. So Italy's been on a strict uh, lockdown, and this lady decided she needed to go out and take her turtle for a walk so she could get out. She's since been fined 400 euros for breaking strict coronavirus confinement rules. Italian citizens need a justifiable reason to be outside in the middle of the pandemic, and it has cost more than 20,000 lives there since February. And evidently, the powers that be decided taking your turtle for a walk was not a justifiable reason. Um, indeed. So well, let's, let, let's leave uh, COVID behind as much as we can and, and talk a little bit about uh, Earth Day. This week, uh, we, uh, we celebrated uh, the 50th anniversary of Earth Day. And just a, and a quick aside, uh, Dick, I remember at a tender age volunteering on the first Earth Day in 1970 in New York City to help set up chairs or something or barriers and in some midtown Manhattan uh, uh -huh. festival that was going on, never thinking that uh, 50 years later we would still be uh, trying to figure out 
what we can do to preserve uh, Mother Earth. But uh, uh, I, I understand they're 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 going to do this all virtual now. There will be no mass gatherings because of the virus issues. Well, yeah, sure. That's uh, that's what sensible people are doing all over. Uh, speaking of a, a virtual issue related to this, uh, there is um, a, a program tomorrow. Uh, I know your calendar is probably getting filled up with webinars. Uh, all day, every day, but here's one that uh, people might want to check out. Uh, the Washington Post digital programs are hosting a webinar that you can uh, check into for free. Uh, it's called the Leading the Fight Against Climate Change, and uh, it will include uh, former Governor John Kasich, who's a partner in an organization called World War Zero, uh, along with former Secretary of State John Kerry, the founder of World War Zero. So tomorrow, 10 a.m. Central Time, take a look in, uh, at that uh, free webinar, Washington Post Digital Programs uh, Leading the Fight Against Climate Change. Um, be interesting talk. Those guys are good, solid folks. Sure. Uh, let me uh, just uh, frame the conversation about climate change uh, with regard to something called the Doomsday Clock. Have you, have you ever heard of that, Dick? I have heard of it, but basically it was started because of the danger of nuclear explosions and proliferation, right? Right. Yeah, that's true. It, it started out as uh, a Cold War construct to uh, to show us how close we were to, uh, to nuclear um, destruction of, uh, of the United States and, and the Soviet Union. Uh, but uh, more recently, the doomsday clock is, has been used as a construct to talk about uh, the, uh, the danger uh, not just uh, from nuclear weapons, it still includes nuclear weapons, uh, but also to uh, talk a bit about uh, climate change and, and the existential threat that that posed. So in January, uh, we were already at two minutes to midnight uh, because of the lack of progress on nuclear risks. And they moved uh, the scientists at the Bulletin of Atomic Scientists, uh, the body that uh, publishes uh, a report and also does uh, this annual setting of the clock. They move the clock forward to 100 seconds uh, to uh, demonstrate the, uh, the relative threat that uh, climate change and nuclear weapons uh, continue to pose uh, to, uh, to humanity. So uh, that's something that uh, uh, is, uh, is worthy of, uh, of consideration. Yeah, you know, this is a, a ticking time bomb out there. And it has national security implications as well. And I think, you know, the Pentagon is well aware that climate change can uh, affect how we would fight a war, how our bases are. Uh, the Navy's already concerned about water rising and it's destroying safe havens and things of that sort. Mm -hmm. uh, we've been focusing on the, the coronavirus issue, so. But down the road, this is this is coming at us, and Mother Nature is is there, and she's not, she doesn't care whether you're a Republican or a Democrat. So well, we've got to focus on this. Yeah, you know the principal construct internationally to deal with climate change has been the power, Paris Accord. Uh, some progress has been made. There are some countries uh, that uh, right. set up their. Uh, national uh, goals, and these are individual countries. The, the accord provides for every country to decide what it needs to do and how it needs to do it. Um, unfortunately, the United States, unfortunately, in my opinion, the United States has withdrawn from the accord. Uh, that well, doesn't we, were, we were a leader in getting this thing started, and then the yeah. you know, Trump administration came in and thought this was a sellout of American sovereignty or for whatever reason, and withdrew. Yeah. And as a result, uh, 
climate continues to have issues and nobody is effectively addressing them in a cohesive worldwide fashion. Right. And, um, you know, the, the American withdrawal doesn't take effect until November 2020. Uh, so we still have time to get back in. We'll see uh, if there's any change of sentiment uh, on uh, working within the guidelines of the accord. On the good side of that, uh, a number of states and cities have uh, uh, claimed that they're going to continue to uh, adhere to the, the local goals that were set for them to uh, match the uh, national uh, goals for the accord uh, agreement. Um, Sadly, we see a lot of relaxation of some, uh, some of the uh, constraints that were in place from the Environmental Protection Administration and, and some other organizations that uh, are relaxing uh, the attack. The, uh, the or rolling the, back. Yeah, rolling back the, um, the mileage considerations for automobiles, uh, reducing subsidies for renewable energy. There's there's a lot more that could be done that uh, we're not doing, and and it seems that uh, we're right rightly consumed with the uh, pandemic. But there's a lot else uh, going yeah. on in the news that we need to be concerned about, and and climate change is one of those. And as you point out, uh, the Pentagon is concerned about climate change as a national security issue. Yeah. Uh, the, the Navy is concerned uh, correctly about sea level rising and the potential inundation of their coastal bases. If you look at uh, the NASA images of the ice cap, we can see a, an incredibly rapid decline uh, in the ice cap and all that melting ice from uh, the Arctic is, uh, is just headed for sea level rise. And we see storms uh, increasing, uh, Superstorm Sandy, it flooded out the New York subway system. Uh, we see even on the sunny days with low tide, uh, the streets of Miami are, are filled with seawater that's coming back up through the, yeah. the sewer system. So uh, these are these are real issues. We can't just uh, not pay attention. No, you're absolutely right. I remember a glacier I used to ski on when I was in Bolivia, and it's gone. It's absolutely gone. And the, and the difference that makes, because the, the runoff from the glacier in the old days was the water source for the people who lived below the glacier they're out of water. So, so this water issue is going to become a major force in the, in the world as it pushes people to relocate where they can get water. Well, and the headwaters of uh, the rivers in China uh, are similarly dependent on, um, uh, on glacier yeah, runoff. Yeah, exactly. Um, and there's, you know, the, the 1.4 billion Chinese have no place to run. Well, they could go to North Korea because <laughs> no, well, not really. they wouldn't fit. But no, anyway, we're, we got we're, a problem with North Korea, right? Yeah, let's uh, let's turn to that, uh, um, Dick. What what do you? Uh, well, you yesterday, share with us I think I don't. I was. I, I don't know who put this story out, but it was obviously a, a planned leak from the intelligence services that basically said that uh, the Kim Jong Un, who's the leader of North Korea had had surgery and was in grave danger following that surgery. So exact details of what and, and how are not made available. Uh, he has been a, a leader that is ruthless. He assassinated his half brother using a nerve agent at an airport. He had his uncle killed by using an anti-aircraft gun to blow him apart. He's purged all the top leaderships from taking power, and and nobody seems to think that he's in danger, except maybe this mortal danger if he's physically sick. 
he and uh, President Trump have had an on-again, off-again love affair. Uh, Trump has had more meetings, one-on-one -on -one meetings with him than any other leader in the world, I think, almost. Um, and I don't know uh, what we have gotten from all the efforts to try to engage North Korea. I mean, they were going to stop their nuclear program, stop their rocket programs. They've done neither. So they're still all full speed ahead on getting their nuclear capabilities up and that's going to be dangerous to the world. Yeah, so uh, there's there's a lot to learn about what's going on there. Um, and to be sure, the stability of uh, that risky part of the world, the, uh, the, the Korean Peninsula, uh, depends uh, on what the uh, fallout could be from from this uh, potential health crisis. Apparently, it's uh, solid information from intelligence community sources, uh, but we'll wait to see. Uh, uh, North Korea is is uh, quite a reclusive place. It's a difficult nut to crack for U.S. intelligence to uh, find out what's going on there. Uh, so, um, it's one of the countries of the world I have not been to, and I really have no desire to go under the current circumstances. Well, uh, I've been to the border, so I look across there, and it's it's incredibly heavily fortified. So yeah, yeah. So that's a, that's a story that's going to play out. Uh, let's uh, move on to item four in our uh, top five list, uh, Dick. The immigration ban, which was tweeted out last night by President uh, Trump at about 10:30 p.m. Uh, in which he said that uh, the United States was going to uh, order through uh, his signing of an executive order, the temporary suspension of immigration to the United States, quote, in light of the attack from the invisible enemy, as well as the need to protect the jobs of our great American citizens, unquote. So uh, we don't know exactly what's going on with that. Uh, news this morning was that a lot of people in the White House were surprised that this was on the table. So. Um, yeah, this makes no sense to me, Pat, because uh, we are dependent upon foreign labor, for example, to pick our crops and get our, our veggies to the to the market. If well, it, you stop the, the, the immigration, what's going to happen? Well, and it's it's curious uh, the timing of it, since uh, you know the implication of of the tweet is that this is in response to the COVID crisis. Yeah. Uh, but I don't think immigration really. At this point, you know, we've got uh, 40 plus thousand dead Americans and the virus is uh, on the loose. Um, I don't know that who, who this is geared to stop because a lot, of, uh, a lot of the potential immigration has already been slowed by the travel bans and so forth. Right. So, um, you know, well, and it's very easily possible to, if you are a legal immigrant, you arrive here or you can go into quarantine for two weeks. Yeah. And, and then you go on and do your do your business. But uh, this is, people have waited for years and years to legally immigrate to the United States and to preemptorily sort of issue a ban that says, nope, you, nobody can come. Makes no sense to me. Yeah, the Washington Post story uh, went on to say that uh, the executive order to be implemented would have to direct the uh, uh, the executive order would have to direct the State Department and the U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services to immediately stop the issuance of immigration visas, a move that appears to have no modern precedent and would potentially leave the fiancés, children, and other close relatives of U.S. citizens in limbo. Right. Um, so there you go. Foggy Bottoms got the, the lead on this one, Dick. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Tell me about Ramadan. You've spent a lot of time in the Middle East. 
Um, is, is it important, really as important as I think it is? Um, yes, uh, it, it is uh, the holy month of uh, Ramadan. And uh, if I can uh, do three things at once here, we'll get, uh, get our slide going. Um, Ramadan is the holy month of, uh, uh, in the Muslim uh, faith. And it is one of the, uh, uh, the fasting at uh, Ramadan is one of the five uh, pillars of the Islamic faith. Um, the other four being that the profession of uh, faith that there's no God but God and Muhammad is his, his messenger. Daily prayers, uh, zakat or alms, so you, it's a, one of the yep. pillars of Islam is taking Living, care of those less fortunate. And Doing the Hajj. The Hajj is the fifth of the five pillars. All good, important things for Muslims. Right. It's a, and the, the month of Ramadan is a, a time of uh, spiritual reflection, um, self-improvement, and, and heightened devotion and worship. So it's an important uh, month. And uh, we should note that there are about 1.3 uh, billion Muslims uh, in the world. And most people think that uh, the Muslim religion, although uh, Mecca is the center uh, for prayer, uh, most people think that uh, the Arab world is the center of the Muslim religion. In fact, uh, the most populous, populous Muslim countries are uh, Indonesia with about 13% of uh, a Muslim faithful and uh, Pakistan with about 11%, a couple of hundred million uh, in Pakistan. So we're reminded that uh, the stereotype uh, that all Muslims are Arabs and all Arabs are Muslims is uh, is incorrect. Not true. Absolutely right. So Ramadan so, starts uh, this week uh, on the 24th. It's uh, a lunar uh, month event. So the appearance of the uh, the new moon will signal uh, the start of Ramadan and the uh, the fasting and, and reflection. And it ends about May 24th. And that will be marked by uh, Eid al-Fitr, the uh, Eid or festival. Uh, is uh, the uh, major celebration on the uh, the Muslim calendar? Well, Dick, we're yeah. at uh, we're at um, an early quitting time here. We've been running long in the past, but uh, we we trim the the calendar here a little bit. Uh, we're open for questions. If anybody uh, in our audience would like to pose a question, uh, simply uh, click on the Q and A tab on your screen and uh, send a question there. We'd be happy to uh, uh, answer or comment on uh, whatever. Uh, you'd like to share with us. Um, Dick, any other observations that you've got on uh, what we've been covering today? I know we went through um, a lot of material on COVID and then uh, uh, briefly covered a couple of other uh, top uh, topics from the, for the world. No, I could just, I'll mention that I, I had the privilege of being in Turkey during uh, Ramadan for about a two week period. And I lived in Singapore uh, which had a large Muslim population and had we had one, one of our amas who took care of our children was a Muslim lady who was very devout and she would fast all day uh, during Ramadan. She uh, went even to the point where she would not drink water. So by the end of the day, she was you know, ready to, <laughs> to break that it's fast. Uh, I, I tell you, for those who uh, are not of that faith, uh, to try to wrap your minds around a full month of uh, fasting, you know, it... Um, well, she made up for it once the sun went down. <laughs> so, I mean, and, 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 but it, it shows the, the devotion and piety of uh, many of these people. 
And in Turkey, uh, it, it was a festive affair after sundown. I mean, people would gather in the parks with barbecues and then, you know, sort of create a wonderful meal at the end of the day uh, and would wake up early before sunrise so they could, they could stoke their breakfast in and things of that sort. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, there, there are uh, stories about uh, all-night parties, and uh, in uh, some of the Arab world, uh, there are TV shows that are produced for the overnight Ramadan uh, viewing. Um, and, uh, you know, so you're right, there, there is uh, after-hours activity. Some people uh, sleep during a large part of the day and then uh, awake at night for, yeah. for the prayers and then... Uh, to have their breaking the fast uh, uh, meal, uh, so that's uh, that's definitely a consequence of the of the fasting during the day. And you know, one thing we have to consider is that uh, this is uh, a lunar holiday, so it it moves on the Gregorian calendar every year, and right. it's now moving back into the springtime. Which uh, you've got to realize that a lot of the uh, countries that are predominantly Muslim are in the more uh, the warmer countries the uh the, uh, the hotter places to be so you can imagine uh first of all in the summertime in a lot of these places that the sunlight is uh, a longer duration each day and the temperatures are warmer so we're now getting back into a, a more uh, pleasant time um to uh, mm. uh you know have the impact of uh of the fasting all day and you know the the last thing i would say is that the Eid al-fitr is is uh, quite a joyous uh, time and and the celebrations are, are significant in uh, the Muslim world. Well, Dick, we have a question uh, from Mark Brinkley and this uh, is uh, back on the question of immigration. Um, and uh, the question is based on uh, our research, will the president's executive order scope be limited to the H-1B-1 I visas and permanent resident applications? And he adds another question, will the executive order impact new J-1 and F-1 visa applicants? Mark, I confess to not being uh, as conversant uh, on that level of detail. Uh, we simply have the news report that the president uh, tweeted that immigration would be suspended. And uh, he implied that it would be uh, total immigration. So uh, we'll have to get some more uh, information. Dick, are you familiar with uh, uh, yeah, somewhat. I actually issued visas in the early part of my career, but uh, I was hoping F you would say that F one <laughs> or denied the visa, depending on the qualifications of the applicant. F one ambassador. is a student visa. The H uh, one B are usually uh, visas given to exceptional workers who are coming over here, you know, working for Google or Amazon or something of that sort. Uh, the answer to the questions. Um, is I don't know, and I don't know if anybody does know because the order hasn't been issued. Right. Uh, if it's a ban on immigration, uh, would that include non-immigrants as well as immigrants? Uh, so nobody comes in who's not an American citizen, or is it uh, just going to be for people who are non-immigrant visas? So you know, Disneyland's shut down anyway, so they can't go <laughs> go visit that. But student visas, a lot of students may want to re-up, even if they're not going to classes in the United States right now, they could stay here and take the classes remotely. So I don't know what's going to happen. We'll have to wait and see what the executive order actually says. Yeah, that's, that's 
that's exactly right. I think it's it's yet to be determined. Uh, the news story is is still early. Uh, thanks for that question, Mark. And if you want to add another comment, uh, um, I, I think uh, you're an you're an educator, uh, as I recall, and and maybe you have some experience with some of these visas uh, limiting uh, uh, students uh, coming and. Uh, uh, matriculating on on campuses here. I, I know there's been a, a cutback of a lot of students with the uh, so-called Muslim ban, um, a number of students from countries that are no longer permitted to come uh, have uh, had problems uh, continuing their education in the U.S., which is um, which is unfortunate because I think uh, young people coming to the United States and uh, spending time on our campuses and our cities is uh, is a positive uh, result for American uh, soft power, uh, our ability to uh, make friends and and have relationships around the world. Well, Dick, I think uh, I think that wraps it up. We uh, we're getting off early today. Well, I don't know. We're what, 45 minutes? What do we do? What time is it? It's, what time uh, is it in Kathmandu? Well, in, in Kabul, it's 12, um, 11 a.m. Are they on a half hour? They've got a... They evidently are. They're nine and a half hours ahead of us. But in Beijing, it's 3.41 a.m. And uh, London, 8.41 p.m. So, uh, yeah, it's 8.41 p.m. in London. It's time for a pint, I think. If Well, the, pub, <laughs> the, pubs, the pubs are closed. Well, Boris, I, you know, uh, Boris closed the pubs. I, I read about an entrepreneurial American who's now making cocktails and will have them, will deliver them to your house. So you just get online, order what you want online, and he'll mix it up for you. And in comes the guy and brings it over to you. So, well, uh, good luck with getting out in the street. Uh, you know, it might be like the uh, Italian lady with the turtle. You get out. You get out there, and it could be a 400 yeah, euro uh, uh, fine for you. You never know. Yeah. Okay. Well. Enjoy uh, talking with you, Pat. We'll see same, you next week, right? Same here. And let me remind everybody that uh, tonight uh, we have uh, Global Dialogue, which is our speakers program, and we have invited uh, David DeRoche. He's a professor at the Near East South Asia Center at the National Defense University. Uh, David is a retired U.S. Army colonel, uh, ranger, combat veteran, uh, specialist in all things Middle East, and uh, he and I will be talking about uh, the Middle East 2020, what's going on there. Uh, next week, uh, Ambassador uh, Bowers and I will be back uh, for more uh, news review, and we hope that uh, you'll be back with us and have your good questions. Uh, that'll be at 2 p.m., and then at 7 p.m. next Tuesday, uh, we'll have uh, Global Nashville uh, our webinar with uh, former Mayor Carl Dean, and he'll be hosting uh, uh, Sean Henry, the president and CEO of the Nashville Predators. I'm sure they'll be talking about the current business environment. Uh, Mr. Henry's uh, a leading uh, member of the community in, in the business. When are we going to have a hockey game without spectators? Well, uh, I, I hope that there'll be some <laughs> questions about Smashville and, and yeah. returning. Well, you're a hockey fan, right? I, I am. Yeah, we. Uh, there you go. We're here a block and a half from uh, the Bridgestone Arena uh, in, large, in large part because we like to go to the games. But, uh, yeah, um, the rumor cool. is that if the season uh, gets restarted, they'll jump right to the playoffs. And the Predators are one game in the wild card spot. So they would be in the playoffs. Uh, so okay. 
let's hope we get going again. But that'll be next uh, next uh, Tuesday evening, 7 p.m., Global Nashville with Carl Dean and his guest, uh, Sean Henry from the Nashville Predators. Uh, that does it for us. Uh, Ambassador Dick Bowers, thank you so much for taking thank the you, time Patrick. out of your day. I know you, you. Uh, you have a busy day on Tuesdays teaching ESL and um, whatever else you do hunkered down out there in uh, Nashville. And uh, we'll see everybody uh, next week here at 2 p.m. on Tuesday for another edition of uh, Global Engagement, our weekly news review. Thanks and goodbye. Bye-bye.